and welcome to Writing About Dragons and Shit, a podcast where two authors and a writer get together and talk about the ways that we tell stories. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, from uh, your resident writer and podcaster from such shows as Difficulty Class and Champions of Lore, and can't remember my own intro. And with me each week are two amazing people who are... I'm Erin M. Evans. I'm a fantasy writer. I'm best known for the Brimstone Angel Saga. Uh, B. Dave Walters, I say words about things. I was waving at the camera like you could see me. So just, just got <laughs> I'll all blame dre- that is why it threw me off. Got all totally dressed up for nothing again. You know, <laughs> this 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 mustache was really hard to paste on. That's all I'm saying. But whatever. That's cool. I'll take some selfies. It's the 70s stash. It you is. Know, you you gotta, know, it came yeah. up earlier. We were talking about like sweet ass 70s porn stashes. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe to be relevant to this episode, we'll we'll craft a villain with an evil seventies porn stash. It's true. Here's the problem. Derigur. I'm immediately on his side. That's the problem with this. Yeah. (laughs) I like Aaron's idea. It's it's the mustache that's evil. Yeah. That's not what I said. Oh, I thought. I I said it requires Derigur. It's required if you're a villain, you need a mustache. Ah, I see. I see. Um, so yeah, all yours. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, making villains, because uh, that's usually a pretty common thing in like sci-fi and fantasy, unless you're going for more like, you know, world destruction sort of thing where it's the environment. But uh, uh, villains, I've had trouble with them. I, I like that, that. This is definitely gonna be one of them where I'm more of like asking y'all what you do because I, I have I'm I, I feel like mine in D and D are fine, but in writing, uh, what gives you uh, trouble? I'm curious. Um, the the evil plot, <laughs> I think, is what it is. I, I can make this real simple. Uh, I realize we're gonna. Well, we talk, gotta stretch an hour out of say, this. We're gonna talk about Don't it make it too no, simple. No, we might just end up like multiple topics because I'm gonna make this real simple for you. <laughs> The villain is the hero of their story. Mm-hmm. You know, from from their point, everything that is true about the hero is true about the villain, just inversed. You know, uh, so if you're wondering how to make a villain compelling, give them their own arc and their own journey, and quite frankly, make them make as much sense as possible. And if you're stuck on the dichotomy of evil or in good, just replace that with the spectrum from selfishness to selflessness. That's you know? legitimately helped me with like D and D alignment thinking. It You're really has. <laughs> My gift to you, buddy. My gift to you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to say. Not just like, the problem of evil. We could probably talk about for a few centuries. But in the strictest technical sense, that's the tweet version of this. If you're stuck on making a compelling villain, write them as a hero of their story. And then it fills in. And the audience will love them more because the audience will understand where they're coming from and go with them on that journey. I don't know if either of you have watched The Bad Batch, have you? Not yet. Not yet. I'm holding off. Great story. I I won't spoil it. Uh, It it is, you know, it's a Disney Plus show. It is about a group of clones at the end of the Clone War, uh, and they're the Bad Batch because something is, well, one, something's wrong with all of them, but it has been taken and magnified where they're all really good at one thing, essentially. They're highly specialized, but quote-unquote defective. Um, And there's one of them that you know, whether or not they are acting of their own free will is a continuing argument over the course of the season. And I would just put it like Mm. that. But the Mm. whole point of, you know, are they really, are they really like this? Are they being made to be like this? And it comes back and forth the whole time. It's really interesting uh, how they do it. But yeah. 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 Okay. I think the other Uh -uh. thing to consider with a villain is that you want someone 
whose goals con- conflict with uh, what your protagonist wants. Mm-hmm. That they have to be the thing. They have to be in each other's way. Like if your villain can just go on and do their evil plot and it never touches the hero, that's not the right villain for this story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And if your villain is doing something that like literally anybody could stop by just, you know, paying attention for a second, that makes it harder <laughs> to feel like there's stakes here and it's compelling. So finding yeah. the person who's going to intersect with your hero's path and force them into the both into this story um, is, is another good thing to think about because the if you separate that villain out too far it's not going to feel like it matters as much Mm. i heard a story and i'm gonna mess up all the names but i'll get the point right i believe it was jeremy irons that was playing claudius Mm -hmm. or titus no yeah titus uh and he said to anthony hopkins or vice versa that you know titus is this terrible person and you're like how do i play this terrible person and it's like, because he's not terrible to himself. He's having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, enjoy it, you know, like, yeah. like, like, like be in it. You know, like you can do the brooding, tormented villain, uh, you know, as every long haired anime trope boy ever that the audience <laughs> is going to secretly love. But people like it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, not every villain is conflicted. Not every villain's tormented. And uh, I personally really love the stories that are more about intention i think my my favorite villainous trope is the villain who goes bad for good reason uh darth vader arthas manethel you know like i'm doing this to save people and just everybody else is like are you sure and it's like no it's gonna be fine (laughs) and then you know, you get where you're going. Uh, same thing with uh, Raceland, you know, in the Caramon and Raceland stories. Although, arguably, Car- Raceland was kind of bad from the beginning. But theoretically, he was like, I'm mastering dark magic for the good of all. And they were like, mm, I don't know, dude. I do love the idea of, like, later on down the line, someone's like, hey, Vader, why'd you do this? It's like, oh, because I had a vision of my wife dying. Didn't she die? Shut up. <laughs> 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 also, didn't you kind of kill her, sort of, in a way? Shut up! <laughs> That's yeah. not important. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want to say. <laughs> Fumes and respirator. Of, yeah. It brings up a kind of related topic for me, which is villain points of view. Hmm. I don't know if that veers off too far. Too no, I, no I, I actually think that is that is relevant because like I, I know the first book that I ever tried to write, I had 100% planned to have POV chapters from the villain. um and then i was and then like as i got further into i'm just like this completely ruins like any mystery of this story whatsoever (laughs) that's like a big oh sorry go ahead no no please you make your point i think that's a big factor in choosing uh whether to use the villain for a point of view is it more uh does it raise the stakes more if you know what's happening and the heroes don't do you get some good dramatic irony out of it um and is that a sustainable amount of dramatic irony? Because if you tell me at the very beginning that something terrible is going to happen and they don't know and they don't find out till like two thirds way through the book, maybe you could pull it off. But I also might mm-hmm. get really mad at how dumb they're being. Um, <laughs> but on the yeah. other hand, like if you have a villain who's supposed to be this unknowable horror, like you and you tell me what's going on in their head, they immediately become more knowable. Like if you have yeah. someone who's supposed to be unrelentingly evil 
I don't need to know what's going on in their head. Like, I don't need to identify with them. Um, <laughs> I, I need to be afraid of them. And sometimes having that distance is better. I yeah, don't need you... to know. Jaws is not a villain exactly, but it is a sort of antagonistic force. I don't need to know the shark's hopes and dreams. I can tell you what the shark is thinking. The shark is thinking, nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah, I think you could accomplish that by giving a point of view of someone near the villain. Um, This is Mm. also the point in the story where I point out George R. R. Martin's dead to me. And part of that is because, you know, he wounded me so. And he did this very effectively with Jamie and Cersei Lannister. That Mm. they become POV characters in the second book. And what you learn... uh... It's it's third book for Jamie, fourth book for Cersei. You know, I've yeah. stopped thinking about the fourth book That's... and the fifth book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they weren't POV, but the, although there's the Red Wedding in book two or three. Uh, three. J- J- yeah, Jamie's anymore. not. Well, either way, give Rob Stark yeah. my regards. However, the point <laughs> is, when you finally get Jamie and Cersei's point of view after they've been established as monstrous. You find out Jamie's not as bad as you thought he was, but Cersei is worse, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? which is useful, you know, um, mm-hmm. if, if that's uh, a, a point that you're trying to make about the villains and their motivations. It it, it definitely is a, 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 a with that one, like a double edged sword for me, because like I like when I was reading Jamie's chapters, I was like, oh, crap, I kind of liking this character. Like, mm-hmm. oh, OK. But then when I read Cersei, I'm like, I don't even want to read this chapter. Like yeah. every time her name came up, I was just like, I don't want to know because you're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're too good and, at being the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like it, it kind of comes down for me, like with, with books that do uh, villain POVs, it's like, OK, but like. I don't want to dread or hate reading their chapter because they're so terrible. Well, you know, I think this comes back to another foundational thing that, you know, every word on the page needs to reveal character, advance plot, or reveal theme. So what is the statement your villain is making? What is the role in their story, in the story? What is the commentary about life and existence that is embodied by this villain? And do you need that elucidated? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. or... Is it better that just every once in a while, like, again, to to go back to the Star Wars animation, because in many ways the animated shows have been the superior Star Wars, um, mm, yeah. in Rebels, that's what Darth Vader is. He's this unstoppable wrecking ball that when you show yes. up, you run or you get killed. Yeah. And it's better that way. I mean, he says almost nothing through the entire series all the way up to the finale. And even then, he doesn't say much. And everything he does say are just gems. And, and they got James Earl Jones to do it. It was oh, so good. Sorry. The Apprentice <laughs> Lives. I was like, ah! <laughs> Yeah, anyway. Um, but no, like, that, Rebels is actually a great example, too. Because yep. for the Vader part of that series... There was there was never a scene that felt like it was from Vader's perspective. There never. was uh, scenes from from other Imperial officers' perspectives. Yep. But then when we get Thrawn, there's a hundred percent scenes that are from Thrawn's perspective because right. that is the villain that you want to get to know. Yep. And you in in the the way that pieces are moving on the board. Now it can be difficult to write in the sense that, and, and it depends on your level of omniscience. And I think. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of forgiving because even when we think, we're not thinking, today's the day I move the 5th Mechanized Division to the south side of the city and they will never <laughs> suspect that I've placed bombs in the wells. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. really not how people think and definitely not how people talk. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I guess you almost kind of have to have a little bit of an unreliable narrator in the sense that, you know, you could think things that aren't true. You could think things that you're wrong about. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it is not necessarily a blank check that every line on every page is the villain revealing their grandmaster plan. Um, yeah. But, you know, you also have to be careful because it gets super annoying if you're like, They'll never expect what I have done. I can't wait to see their faces when the trap is sprung. You're like, okay, all right, come on. This... Yeah. Um, yes, yes, you're very sneaky. <laughs> oh, so sneaky. Mm -hmm. Um, but winding it back a little bit, what do you, what do you two do? Like, I, you know, the the villain is the hero of their own story and whatnot. But like, what is it that you normally? try to do when making the villain for your story like is there any kind of like go-to's that you ask yourself or anything like that hmm. i do try and always make the villain's point of view either as identifiable as possible or as absolutely untenable as possible you know you you got darth vader and you got a morton joe you know what I mean? <laughs> where, where, where you're like, that guy is just awful and needs to die, and I can't wait for his comeuppance. Or, you know, that that's where your killmongers come from, that you're like, mm, he's kind of right. He's also kind of right about everything. Uh, and now I'm do I'm feeling complicated, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I for I feel so bad because I was just like, why do I know that name? I had to Google Morton Joe. I'm like, oh, yeah, Mad Max. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And and I and I do think I do think that's like kind of where I run into problems is that that sort of thing where it's like I, I think I'm trying like I, I think I have an idea in my head of what I have a villain going for. And then by the time I get the story outlined to what and I'm like, oh, that's I didn't actually do that well enough to be either the Immortan Joe or the Darth Vader. Um, and so I, I, I think it's kind of. I think it's because I kind of leave the villain plot up to outlining and then like I, I, I don't think that I, I give enough time at the beginning to be like, OK, what is the villain doing while all of this is going on? Like, what were they doing exactly before this and whatnot? Yeah. And what are they doing in parallel? You know, like I, I'm very much of that school of thought that. You know, for, for a character that is going to be significant to the story, know their whole life story, everything that has happened to them up until this point, and it, possibly when they're going to die, even even if that changes. So you can have an idea of the moves that they're making. Um, when we do L.A. by Night, and you guys notice Jason is rolling dice all the time, I and most DMs do this only to antagonize the players, but he swears... <laughs> <laughs> those rolls all mean something and he's rolling for other stuff that's happening in the city you know that, that I, he's like what other people are doing so if it was anyone but jason i'd call bullshit but i agree 100 believe that. i absolutely agree and and i'll tell you know for the most part if, if there's time if i'm rolling whatever's gonna happen is going to happen that episode or i am just messing with them <laughs> <laughs> There is no how many people is Tiamat eating on her way here uh, mechanic. Uh, <laughs> Could there be? No. The answer is as many as she wants. That's that's, that's the, yeah. She stops okay. at the, the supplantation of followers. It's the problem. Five heads, one tummy. So he's thinking about your question about um, what your go-to is. Is that mm -hmm. your question? 
Yeah, yeah. I was so suddenly like, like, wait, have I written villains before? <laughs> so I wrote down misunderstood boys. And what I real one of the things I realized that I do in looking at this list is um, I really like. And honestly, for for Brimstone Angels, because those are, you know, fantasy adventure novels, there's usually multiple villains, um, especially the first book, which was tied into the the MMO. So they were like, here's all sorts of things that are messing (laughs) with people. Um, And and it's like you have different different layers then. But one thing I really like to do is you have a villain who is kind of the dark mirror of your hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as an example, Brimstone Angels, the main character is Farida, who is a young tiefling, uh, so she's got like devil ancestry, um, who takes a pact with a, with a half devil from the Nine Hells um, so that she can cast magic. Uh, she ends up in this city that's being kind of jockeyed. Like like a bunch of bunch of powers are jockeying for control over. So you've got like the nine hells are trying to get hold of it. Um, these weird like extra planar monsters are trying to get hold of it, um, and some other stuff that I forget. But uh, one of the people she encounters is this succubus Rohini, um, who is pretending to be a very nice, good person uh, cleric. So Farida is genuinely a nice, good person who doesn't look nice. She's got horns. She's got a tail. She's got weird teeth. Um, and Rohini looks like a sweet nurse kind of cleric uh, who takes care of people, but she's actually a, a corrupting succubus. Um, mm. And she is, Farida spends this story not sure how to fit into the world because people look at her and they see something that she isn't. Um, and Rohini is, um, the, in the lore of D&D, the succubi used to be demons, which are... For people who are not into D&D might be going like demons and devils. It's the same thing. It's like, no, no, they're different and that's important. Um, Succubi were demons. They were ported over to devils for game reasons. Um, So Rohini is a succubus living in the Nine Hells and all of these people who are former enemies are now her co-workers. And it's awful. So she's working for someone who used to be like someone she hated. um, And she's been put in this job and she's not being given the right resources. And she is kind of going a little crazy trying to um do the thing she needs to do for for her boss and Mm so you have this this story where the villain character is um she's just trying to get by in a way um and eventually she ends up uh being sort of taken over by those creepy elder world powers and she's like cool guess what i'm the prophet of madness now bring it um and and in the same way that farida is trying so hard to be good and being tempted by the this sort of evil power, by the fact that everybody kind of looks at her and goes, yeah, yeah, evil, that one. Um, mm-hmm. That these two stories are not identical, but there is a parallel in the theme of them. And I think that makes them fit together better. I think it, me- it makes their interactions stronger um, because in a way they are looking at themselves, but they are looking at a distorted version of themselves. Um, and a lot of these, there are different variants of that. Um, and largely they're about in, in that series, they're largely for Farida because, uh, because she's the, the main throwing character, but for, um, I pulled up she, for, for every other book, there's sort of a second character that is kind of a co-protagonist. And for a lot of those, there, there is that setup where, um, the villain's core thing, their flaw is, uh, is, is sort of similar to the heroes or to one of the heroes. Um, and the difference is they don't fix it. They lean mm. into it. Um, mm. And so for me, that's a good way to get a really resonant villain um, that, that, that raises the stakes on your story because you care about your hero, 
solving this problem. And then you watch what happens when someone doesn't. Yeah. If you think about it again, Darth Vader is what everybody's afraid Luke Skywalker is going to be. That's the point yep. of the temptation of the Force. Mm-hmm. But Ahsoka is everything that Anakin should have been. Yeah. She's confronted with the exact same challenges and she makes the right choice, you know? Yeah. Uh so you you have like two different mirrors, you know, of 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 the the hero's journey. I mean, I completely agree with with Aaron in in plus one all of that. You know, I I personally think the villain should facilitate the hero's arc but they should mm. not exist solely to facilitate the hero's arc. That's the difference between flat and three-dimensional villains, you know? And I definitely think that's a problem that I have, like, 100%. Well, you know what? Let's, let, let's, let's, let's workshop this a little bit. Let, let, let's, let's, pull, <laughs> let's pull it apart a little bit. Like, who, who's, who's, who's the – give us the elevator pitch in the villain. Um, you can change the well, names if you're if you're worried about people stealing it. Although, for the record, <laughs> listeners, that's 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 not a thing. Well, that's not a thing. Okay, t- t- tell you what, I I, I will I, I'll talk about the one that that I that I gave Aaron because a lot of that's probably going to change. My body's so, ready. So like like the original inciting idea of it was like I'd always had this book series. It was an urban fantasy. I always had it set up as a mystery. You don't know who the villain is. And then I realized one day, I'm just like, you know what? I actually don't think that's what I want to do. I kind of want to have like the comic book villain that you know through the whole thing. And so like the idea was, is that like the main character knows who the bad guy is from the get go. And um, like tries to go and stop them at the very beginning completely haphazardly and get stopped because everyone's like what are you talking about they're not they're not a villain um but the thing is though is that i don't have them show up again until like the last part of the book and they don't really do anything and they're just there to be the bad guy and well that's it was not after- okay well what's what's <laughs> the evil what's the ultimate evil plan what's the death star so the- they're trying to construct what's the one ring they're trying to recover what's it, the- it's it's uh it, it's very much like cthulhu cult thing where it's like they're trying to open a gateway to a terrible madness infected world and you know just rain down terror um and it, it just it, it it's like yeah it's there they had a cool fight at the end but like Joe he could have been just Joe Schmo on the street for all that the book cares like there there's could, a couple of things that tie it to some of the characters but it's not really there could he show up they he she they show up midway through the book and essentially offer the characters to join up in one of two things ideally both actually make a whole lot of sense because everybody expects the villain to be like come be on my side no well okay you know (laughs) so either make a whole lot of sense i'm now just gonna imagine every one of my characters with that voice no that's kind of what happens uh or two really have one of the characters go over because they're making a lot of sense Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah so that's true. You and I have not had a chance to talk about this book yet, so I know things. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. We uh, literally like two weeks ago, you were like, "We need to set up a time to do." I'm like, "Yes, we do," just, and then immediately forgot. And then forgot to actually make a time. No, get him. So, be fair to in. us. That was just last week. It wasn't. Get, two weeks oh, ago, okay. But okay. Still, first of all, time is a flat circle, and I reject it as a lie. Second, you know, go, <laughs> go, go, 
go go ahead. Get him. Get him, Do Aaron. you want me to right now? <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Let's fucking get go. him. Okay. Um, so this is, and I just want to clarify, like, there's, I'm not done with my notes for the the last bit because I, like, I skim and then I reread. So, okay. um, so I'm not going to talk about that part. Um, and uh, this is only going to be about villain stuff. Okay. Um, but so insofar as the villains go in this, I think the big thing is that the stakes um, need to be clearer. Mm. Uh, so the, you know, you have these big shaking things happening, but I don't know quite what it means. Like I understand the lore enough to know that's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so real early on knowing like, what does the main character V know and, and why does this lead him to assume and what's going to happen if he can't stop this? Um, I do really like how the beginning has him come in and be like, I'm going to assassinate this guy. And then he's like, <laughs> should I though? Do I actually know enough? Like that moment of doubt is quite charming. And it, it okay, good. I I'm like glad that. that is. Um, and I think that that would also give you space to kind of explain more of what's going on. Because if, especially, I actually, it's very funny. It's a very funny book. Um, and so he comes in and he's like, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to, I'm going to monologue. I've never assassinated anybody. I feel like I shouldn't monologue. And, <laughs> and because you like lampshade that, I feel like you can lean into it and have him just like have a, like a weird therapy session with this villain. Like, do, do I actually really know? Right. Like you could nest all those together. Mm-hmm. Um, you have another great connection because we find out that uh, Chelsea is the guy's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could do a lot more with that because yeah. I think right now she's got lots of sort of doodads like she's got the the drugs she's making and she's got her cool swords and stuff and she's trying to figure this out but I don't get enough sense of what is her relationship with her dad and I think that happens because you're holding that information back mm. for the reveal um, yeah. but I don't think that reveal is as valuable as exploring more of that I, I i really i really hung a hat on on that being like a big thing and yeah it just doesn't work <laughs> i <might have> guessed it <laughs> but I, it. I think i think honestly like that's a that's actually a really cool thing to find out about her and and to find out why she's invested in this because before mm-hmm. that she's just kind of a badass who's going around checking for gates and we already got three of those at that point so you can yeah. that's a place where like you have a thing that sort of humanizes your villain in a way he has a kid i mean she's an adult but still he has a child who's yeah. a grown-up but um and it, and so then there's that question of why hasn't she just taken him out well that's another place where you can give us a little more depth mm. to him because like if you know you know your father is going to open a portal to the plane of madness and you don't like your father at all and you never talk to him, maybe you just take out your magic sword and cut his head off. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know your life. Um, but <laughs> if you're like, I got to figure out a way to stop this so my dad can stop being a lunatic, that's a different That's a different story. And that's higher stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm blinking on the other thing I thought of. I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm kind of It's okay. here. No, I, 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 no, but like, like, I think that is making good points and definitely lends into what B Day was talking about with like showing the stakes, showing, you know, the villain. Cause that is, that is one thing that I think I have, uh, uh, always messed up with is, uh, really having the villain show up. 
Like, I do it all the time in D&D. Like, Strahd? I had Strahd show up a billion freaking times. But when I'm writing my book, I'm just like, they're just over there. You you also can have them doing something uh, else. They could show up and just eradicate someone else. You know? Like, if you just need an in, inside... In, in, I don't know how the story structure. This may or may not work. Yeah. But, you know, being terrible elsewhere... Which is still mm-hmm. an insight into them and what their thing is, you know, yeah. uh, that, that um, you know, having the, the I mean, there's no reason why, again, depending how the book is structured, you can't do both. You can't have them go do something terrible somewhere else, then run into our characters and like, you know, actually, you know, have an interaction. That oh, now hey, has, like, I just came from killing that guy. Right. Funny seeing you here. You know, <laughs> honestly, too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I mean, you know, again, Darth Vader coming down on on the Tie Fighter. Also, second follow up question: She said the book's really funny. Is the book supposed to be funny? <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Okay. okay, I was gonna Great. say I don't think this is possible. It sounds if it's it feels intentional funny. It's not like right. I mean, what if on the <laughs> inside, so cute. He's you like, thought this was a book kind of funny. He's like, no, that's, <laughs> it's not that. It's, oh no, it's not, not that. a comedy. <laughs> I think, I think too like there is something grounding about having your villain be terrible in kind of mundane ways like don't mm-hmm. kick a puppy because that's like that's really over the yeah. top but yeah. just you know making him be shitty to a waiter making yeah. him litter like, yeah. I mean like little things that are like because because this is another thing about stakes is if you tell me like it's going to end the world like I know that's bad but yeah. they don't like feel it because yeah. that's sort of it's sort of abstract but if it's gonna end the world and v will never get to say sorry to his father that's different right <laughs> if you tell me this guy is gonna blow up the world and he did not tip his waiter i'm like asshole you know asterisk I, v I, will never get to begrudgingly apologize to his father <laughs> you know I, I i would also say con- continuing that line of logic then if the mo if the motive is to blow up the world because reasons, show the reasons. You know, mm. show why do they feel like this world needs to go yeah. and ideally make it great reasons. You know I what mean, I mean? Like yeah. you're you're talking about like the 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 making the villain the hero of their own story. That's yeah. Thanos. Like that's why yeah. I like Thanos is celebrated as one of the best villains. Is because yeah. that he literally is. He's just like, no, I'm straight up doing this for the good of the universe. You all are stupid. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's his point of view makes sense. You know, you might be yeah. like killing half of every living thing is a bit strong, but I see where you're coming from. Like this, this is the difference between why. Heath Ledger's Joker resonated so much where past iterations of the Joker are, you know, kind of dumb. And they're cartoonish. cartoony on purpose, yeah. though. You know, on yeah. purpose. It's like, you know, one of my favorite things ever is the beginning of G.I. Joe the movie. You know, the Cobra, <laughs> Cobra, Cobra. It's so intense, but they're trying to blow up the Statue of Liberty. For what? <laughs> For what? <laughs> because we're Cobra. And we're I not never thought let you. I never thought the G.I. Joe movie would come up on this fucking Cobra. <laughs> like it's so intense. Like, you know, but 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 they set it up in such a way, you're like, this is the most important thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and if they successfully blow up the Statue of Liberty, life as we know it will grind to a halt. You know? I love that. But um Yeah. Well, I I want to I want to change gears real quick because I know we do got a little bit of a time constraint on this episode, and I feel like this is a good time to bring it up because it probably wouldn't be a full episode. How do you all feel about redeemed villains? Because you even brought up Vegeta earlier, like he is a redeemed villain. What? 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it depends. I am somewhat against, because this bumps up on another topic where we're going to talk about cliches. I'm somewhat against this re recent turn of anti-heroes in conflicted heroes and you know i'm terrible but i just happen to be doing the right thing right now mm -hmm. i didn't mind suicide squad and the concept of them all being forced to do this um is interesting there, there's a reason why the suicide squad doesn't quite resonate with people and they kind of deal with this in both movies but not quite is the hero must act and not be acted upon the hero mm -hmm. must choose to be a hero. Uh, yeah. Again, the, the example I always give is the, the three of us are together and Trevor starts choking and I run over and I give him the Heimlich maneuver. That's a heroic action. If Trevor starts choking and I'm looking at him and Aaron says, holy shit, give him the Heimlich maneuver. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's no longer heroic. <laughs> so, you know, in both... I mean, you was... ran to San Diego and gave him the Heimlich maneuver. You know, <laughs> the I'm like, live, live. Live, Trevor. You know, I, I endured the, like, the accursed Daystar again. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, in the Suicide Squad, both movies, there is a moment where the villains are like, oh, wait, we got to save the world. And, you know, then do yeah. it of their own volition. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that's kind of my thing with the, with the redeemed hero. I, again, it's a very consistent trope in anime, especially in video games and stuff. Uh, my favorite is either never redeemed or the deathbed redemption. Because, again, we've mentioned mm -hmm. Arthas Manethel a couple times today, and it came up in a game yesterday. But World of Warcraft, the Lich King, spoiler alert, he dies. You kill him in a raid. <laughs> And when he dies and his father comes to take him to the ghost of his father mm. comes to take him to be with his ancestors. And he says, I see nothing but darkness before me and dies. Y'all. I yeah. cried yeah. so I was like, Oh my God, what have I done? I killed <laughs> Arthas. It's my fault. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I definitely do think that like that sort of thing does work for me. Like Dar Darth Vader again, like mm -hmm. he is redeemed in that moment where he throws the emperor down the thing yep. and then he fucking dies. Yep. <laughs> I think that's a big thing is that when the redeemed villain doesn't work for me is when we're just going to pretend they didn't do anything bad. Right. right? Like, oh, he mm -hmm. hugged his son. So it's all fine now. It's like he was already Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. So but when it's people. a sacrifice. Yep. Right. That's that feels effective. Right. Yeah. Um, if and and like there has to be some kind of loss to balance yep. that mm -hmm. redemption. Um, you but can't just be like. Oh, I realized I was an asshole and I helped you guys. And now, oh, you're right. Square, Killing all those people right? was bad. Like, yeah. mm, we're not well, quite. Remember, the measure of heroism is sacrifice. That is yeah. what makes a hero a hero, what they give up. Um, and, you know, the redemption of the villain doesn't necessarily have to be they jump on the grenade at the last second, because pending how you get there is doesn't necessarily work. Uh, and yeah. and there's, there's been plenty of times, too. There's been like, um, 
Dr. Doom stories where Dr. Doom has saved the world because he's like, this world is mine. Like Lex yeah. Luthor did it too. You know what I yeah. mean? He's all Again, like, out of selfishness. Yeah, right. Where he's like, yeah. no, I don't care. I'm going to work with you today because mm-hmm. we got to beat that because I keep all my stuff here. You know? <laughs> you know? He's yeah, like no. a convenient hero over a redeemed villain. But yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. That. I like, I, I, I definitely think like one of the re- like I always think of Vegeta. I even call them the Vegeta character. I put that in the notes, and, Laura, and uh, Aaron was like, "I don't know what that means." Still don't um, know what that means. Oh, but <laughs> but I think the reason why for me like Vegeta works in that way is mm-hmm. because he wasn't ever like the like he he kills one of the characters, they come back to life. Like there's mm-hmm. no stakes for like the villainy that he did. Yeah. He like he was always to me like the small villain that was off to the side. How dare you! he was i mean come on and later on he becomes more of a villain in some ways but like like yeah like uh, like in other stuff where like the villain becomes good i'm just like mm, he's had the most complete arc in that whole damn series far more so than goku like like oh yeah yeah actually been the hero of this story but um sorry aaron you were saying something i I had had to defend the one true saying prince I think the other thing that, that ties into all this is that you you have to earn that redemption, right? Yes. You have to work toward it. There has to be an arc that leads there. Um, it has to be something that that character now must that that it it makes narrative sense for that this character must do this this thing next. Um, they can't come out of nowhere. It can't be because you know because they're pretty and I want them to. Right? Yeah, it, it On, needs like, to be like, like that. That's how this story ends. For spoilers for the sequel Star Wars trilogy. I don't. I like when when they're like, oh, Ben Solo is gonna become a good guy. I'm like, no, 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 he no. can't. Not like that. Not no. like that. It, it was. You, you should have been leaving. You should have been leaving that uh, hints of that from the first movie. That does not feel earned in any it, way. It was unearned, and it would have been supremely more powerful if, to the very last second, he's like, 100%. "Fuck all y'all! I'm my grandfather's grandson." <gasps> yes. You know what I yeah. Mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would. I would have loved that. I yeah. loved that. Thousand percent. Um, yeah. It was. Well, it's because it was cliche. We, you know, we we talked about. Um, whether or not we want to talk about cliches. And I was like, it's not a whole episode where it really is a point. The The thing about there's times that conventions are very satisfying because the audience yeah. has come to expect certain things, you know, unless you've clearly set the stage of the fact that this is a tragedy, they expect the good guys to prevail. They, they, they act like they don't want that, but gloomy, sad movies where everybody dies don't do well because ultimately that's not really what we want. Yeah. It is more about how will they win? What will it cost? Maybe they're not all going to come home, but, you know, Spider-Man's going to beat the Sinister Six. He just is. <laughs> you know, because that's what we signed up for. That's why people, again, you know, Batman versus Superman didn't resonate with people. Again, I didn't hate it, but I get it. People don't want to see their heroes deconstructed. They don't want the clock to go off and Superman being like, ah, got to save the world again today. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nobody wants that story. So uh, convention you know, it's fine. I think, you know, again, some certain things have to happen to make genre genre. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's no longer that genre. When when we talk about cliches, I think it's that, um, you know, things like 
that have can be seen a mile away and have been done a hundred times and you don't at least put a clever or unique spin on it you know again that what, what the audience wants especially in your conclusion is simultaneously surprising yet inevitable you know, mm -hmm. when you remove either of those things, people will be unsatisfied. If they see it coming from too far off, unfulfilling. If you don't set it up properly, like Ben Solo, unfulfilling. You need to hit both of those points. Otherwise, yeah. it falls flat. You yeah. can't rely on the fact that other stories have hit this button and, and just trust that setup to happen. Mm -hmm. because that then it just feels like you did not think of this as a holistic piece, right? It is that like, oh, well, now he's redeemed. It's like you didn't. You can't push that button. There's yeah. no wires connected to it. Just mm -hmm. because like, it's almost like you're doing it because it's a cliche. Exactly, you just assume yeah. that everyone is, uh, understands the cliche. Which yeah. is like, I think don't ever do. Don't do that. Don't do no. That. no. We, we, we talked about it in a previous episode about like, learn the rules, then break them. Yep. I think the same thing applies with cliches. It doesn't mean don't ever do them. But when you understand them, you can use them in a better way. Yeah. I mean, again, when you've earned it, you know, like, yeah. again, Conan the Barbarian is going to kill the wizard. He is, you know, because yeah. that's genre, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, the the. Yeah. In any time. Like I said, if you can think of the thing you're about to do and you can think of two or three other examples of where exactly that has been done, maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you know? I get that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that is a good place to uh, end this week's episode. Friends, where can people find you and what awesome things are you working on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Aaron M. Evans. You can watch me with these guys on Champions of Lore Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash CNE games, where we talk about the lore behind the game Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. You can also watch me play D&D with a bunch of other fantasy writers on twitch.tv slash dungeon scrawlers uh, every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. B. Dave Walters, I say words about things. You can find me all over the interwebs over fine streaming content can be located in an increasingly amount of fine streaming content now that I'm creative director for Demiplane. Gonna be doing more yeah. stuff. Yeah. Having to take yeah. the sword off the wall like Tokugawa, the Shogun of Japan. <laughs> um, which, uh, one of my favorite all-time people. He, like, conquered and united Japan, retired, let his son run Japan, Things got terrible and bandits were about to break it up. So he's like, never mind. I'll be Shogun again and reunite Japan. <laughs> um, Badass. Yeah. He's like, ah, I just wanted to retire. Okay, great. Um, uh, Follow me on the Tweetograms at B. Dave Walters. I'm with uh, Heroes of the Plane Tuesday. These fine people Wednesday morning. Uh, Thursday, Black Dice Society on D&D Twitch and YouTube at 4 Pacific. Uh, Sunday, the Gax Pack on Gary Khan's Twitch and other things I'm sure I forgot. Like I said, follow me <laughs> on the Tweetograms at B. Dave Walters. Uh, you can find me on uh, far too many podcasts which you can find on my Twitter account at the Trevor there's an a hiding in there and I'm going to plug in a uh, podcast that I'm not even on go check out the Black Dice Society one because I do produce that one and it True. has the world's hunkiest DM um, uh, <laughs> stop it, <laughs> stop it. so uh, yeah go check that one out and uh, if you want to get those episodes early you can uh, check out their Patreon uh, thank you all for listening if you enjoyed this show the best way to support is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice uh, if you have any questions or topic suggestions you can send those into writingaboutdragonsshit at gmail.com uh, and if you like to keep up to date on the show you can follow us on twitter at aboutdragons but until next week go write about some dragons and shit